Welcome to Is It Bedtime Yet? The podcast for parents about mental health and the experience of being a parent. The podcast that discusses what it's like to be adults raising tiny humans that make us all ask, is it bedtime yet? Hi, welcome back to Is It Bedtime Yet? I'm Dr. Jen and I am here remotely with Dr. Serene. Hey, Serene. Hey, Jen. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Oh, this this recording in the morning on Sundays is it's definitely a shift and I know we've been doing it for a while now but like woof. Like it's hard to like get in the mindset of like all right, let's record uh while I'm drinking my first cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well I just finished mine so I'm I'm good. <laughs> Good, I'm just waiting perfect. for the caffeine to kick in. There's like a delayed response right now. I know, right? Like I, I've finished mine, but I'm like waiting for it to kick in. All right. All well, right. Hopefully, hopefully that'll happen soon. Um, yeah, I guess we could just kind of jump into our topic for today. Let's do it. Enough Let's do with it. this small talk. We've had enough. <laughs> well, so today, we're, Serene and I have been talking on and off about how a lot of times people misuse terms in mental health, either because they don't know, or it's just become like such a common phenomenon in our society to just talk about mental health in a way that doesn't really accurately describe the mental health terms. And I think it creates a lot of confusion. So we're like, hey, let's have a topic about this. And let's talk about it on the podcast. Um, So Serene, what are some of the mental health terms that you've been hearing a lot about that we can kind of talk about how they're misused? what they actually mean and maybe like more accurate ways of describing them. Um, okay. So I know we were talking about this earlier a little bit and it, you know, I kind of feel like it kind of goes into categories. Sorry, I'm shifting papers around and it's making yeah. annoying noise and my book just shut and I'm holding way too many <laughs> things right now. Okay. So, I mean, here's the thing. If you look at it in categories, there are some terms that people completely just misuse, right? Like, right. Like words like, for example, antisocial, you know, someone's mm-hmm. antisocial, it, it clinically means something completely different than how people use it colloquially. Right. Um, and then there's the words that people understand kind of like depressed or anxious, but again, it's not, it doesn't fit the clinical description, you know, just because somebody says I'm super depressed or I'm feeling depressed doesn't necessarily mean they have major depression. You know, they, they're not diagnosable. So we'll talk about those. And then there's just like words that people use daily. Like, I think you said crazy, right? Crazy. Yeah. That, you know, I think you explained it best earlier when you said they kind of support the stigma of mental health. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so like, the word so Serena and I have kind of broken it down into like these different categories of how people misuse different mental health terms every single day. Um, so let's start with that first category, and we'll kind of go into all of them. So the first category of words are, uh, I think you had said like words that have a clinical definition and meaning, but it's kind of somehow jumped its way into everyday vernacular, but has taken on a totally different meaning from what they right. actually mean clinically in the mental health world. Um, so let's let's start let's start with um with a big one that I hear all the time, which is bipolar. People mm-hmm. saying like, oh my gosh, she's acting so bipolar, or even saying like somebody somebody feels like they have like they're multiple personalities, or like, oh, which personality are we getting today? Right. And I, I hear that a lot. Is that something that you hear with like, you know, clients or people just talking in everyday life? All the time. Yeah. And 
all kinds of people, you know, people that have like, you know, they've, they've experienced the world, educated people or people Mm -hmm. that like haven't studied, you know, like medicine or whatever. Like it's just, it's everybody. It's not like we're saying certain people don't know what it means. No, like literally everybody who's not a mental health specialist or a social worker. I I hear it in movies. I hear it on TV. Yes. Everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. And, and it's across the board and it's, so hard to explain to people that like, I, I don't think you're using that right because they will fight you. And I'm like, dude, like, this is what I do for a living. They will don't, fight don't you. Don't fight me. Um, yeah. I don't know where this came. Maybe the word bipolar, people feel like it means that it's somebody that has like mood swings. See, and I think that's what it is, is people use the word. And I was going to ask you, like, what do you think people intend when they say bipolar? And I think that's exactly what it is, is people are using the word bipolar typically as a replacement for like somebody having mood swings. Right. Or somebody Mm -hmm. that like, you know, one day they see them and they're super friendly. The next day they see them and they're kind of more aloof and, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody that's just not consistent with how they are in relation to you or, you know, somebody now, you know, now that social media is huge. I hear that a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. with the pictures that people post, oh my gosh, she's so bipolar. Like one day she's posting this, the next day she's posting that. And it's like, well, no, hold you. You can't use that word based on someone's social media. You just can't. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting that you brought up social media because I feel like this term is something that I hear thrown around a lot with like a younger population, like a lot of teens and uh, like young adults that use this term like very casually. Not to say that, you know, adults and older adults don't use it too, but I think that's kind of the generation that I hear it the most in. See, and that's why I wanted to specify in the beginning. I I hear it in all kinds of people. It's not just, I'm not sitting here and saying like, well, you didn't get your master's or doctorate in psychology. So you don't know. It's It's everybody though. Literally everybody. Mm -hmm. everybody. Like I hear it from educators I hear it from people with like high education I hear it from teenagers that are like barely in high school I hear it from everybody this word I feel like is so misused yeah um and and and, you know you brought up the multiple personalities so Mm -hmm. I I feel like a lot of people use this um use them like uh, interchangeably bipolar yeah she has multiple multiple personalities yeah yeah which is interesting because clinically the word bipolar and or like the the di- the diagnosis bipolar and also the diagnosis of well multiple per- multiple personalities actually would fall under DID dissociative identity disorder which uh, we talked about I think we're probably going to do our own its own episode dedicated to that because there's so much that goes on in that um, but but you're right like those are two completely separate diagnoses that look clinically so vastly different and just are so they could not be more different. Um, but people throw those two terms together, bipolar and multiple personality, and they just kind of combine it into one like vernacular term that's kind of made its way into, into the mainstream dialogue. Right. Yeah. Right. So what is bipolar disorder? Well, so How let's do- talk, so let's talk about what bipolar disorder actually is. Yeah. So, so when I think of bipolar disorder, I think about that I I'm, I don't have the DSM in front of me. I think you said you have it, yeah. Serene, right? But um, yeah. when I think of b- bipolar disorder, I know that you have to have at least one um, mania, mania or hypomania episode to be able to qualify for a true diagnosis of bipolar. 
Right. And I think that's what kind of throws people off. And there's bipolar one and bipolar two. And you guys can research it yourselves. There's distinctions. But I think the common factor is that there has to be a manic episode followed by a depressive episode. Mm-hmm. followed by a manic up you know it's it, it goes right. and comes and people experience this at different um the different episodes at different times right. and it and it so okay the manic episodes i love the show modern love have you seen it jen no i haven't it's on one of the streaming sites. I'm not sure. Okay. And there is one episode. They're they're not like um it's not like a show you have to watch in order. It's like different, you know, different storylines and different oh, okay. episodes. And there's one episode with Anne Hathaway where she Ooh. depicts a person with bipolar. Um, I think bipolar two. Okay. And she does such a great job. It's so well written because she almost makes not her, obviously the writers and the whole staff, the whole sure. team, everybody, yeah. but you know, um, the character almost normalizes the manic episode where mm. she is more, um, herself in a way more efficient, more, she's an attorney. You know? Um, okay. she's more focused. She's just, what she sees as a way better version of herself when she's in that manic episode, because the depressive episode is so strong and so debilitating where she's just in bed. She, you know, you, she can't, she doesn't want to see anybody. She doesn't want to deal with anybody. She's lack of motivation, lack of interest in everyday activities, just done, like done with the world. So when she does experience the manic episodes, she's more task oriented. She's more, mm. more goal oriented. Goal, excuse me, goal oriented. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is kind of typical in the sense that when you're in the manic episode, you are hyper focused. You are more goal oriented. You do more goal oriented activities or tasks. But at the same time, there's some issues that come with that um like uh, feelings of grandiosity um you have diffi- you may have difficulty sleeping right. um you you're more talkative you're more hyperactive like me right now I'm so talkative <laughs> I I typically give you a chance to chime in no but um, but you're right but that but that whole yeah. picture that you're painting is so different from just somebody who has mood swings yes and yeah. um also also engagement in some activities that may potentially have negative consequences, like impulsive mm-hmm. behavior, such as like, um, uh, like excessive bad investments or yeah, like spending, excessive spending. Yeah. Hypersexuality. Um, so these are, this is the manic episode, but mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody experiences these impulsive behaviors or the grandiosity. Sometimes it can mean they're just more like, goal oriented, just direct, like activity focused. Um, they're more confident They're you know, they don't sleep so they could, they have difficulty sleeping so they can get more work done. They're just not tired. They don't feel tired. Um, and then that's then, you know, followed by this severe depressive state. Right. Yeah. So this, 
Do you have an input on bipolar? No, no. I I mean, I think you painted a really good picture. And I think that's what that's sort of the takeaway for people is to like, know that when people are like, using that term casually bipolar, and to mean like a, a person, a person who has like mood swings, that the clinical definition just looks so very different. And it's like a very specific criteria to be able to meet. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's very, it's very serious because it's very hard for people with bipolar yeah. disorder to, you know, it's almost like the question, you know, am I, am I feeling okay? You know, is mm-hmm. the medication working or is this a manic episode? Right. You know, is this, um, you know, am I, am I like feeling sad because, whatever my boyfriend dumped me or am I going into a depressive state right now and it almost makes you really question question yourself yourself. Mm -hmm. yes it's it's very hard and to normalize to people and say you know I know I know you have bipolar and but it's okay to be experiencing depressed mood right now because you know you lost your dog or you know right I'm just whatever like dumped you your boyfriend just dumped you or because it's hard to understand, like, am I going back into that depressive state? Because it's such a debilitating absolutely state. If you're not, especially if you're not properly, you know, medicated and seeing a and psychiatrist and, yeah. and seeing a therapist. and Absolutely. Yeah. Which actually, like, I know we'll get into this later when we talk about depression, but it's kind of the same way that a lot of times when people feel sad or like have a life event happen that's sad and then they start feeling, well, maybe I'm depressed. And, you know, it's like, no, you're you're allowed to feel right. sad. Sadness is a normal emotion. Depression is a whole other thing. So it's right. sort of like the flip side of that coin where like people start questioning whether or not, you know, a right. regular emotion that or like a typical emotion that people feel is like a clinical debilitation or not but we'll we'll get into that later but yeah no I think I think that's a really good picture of what bipolar disorder looks like versus somebody who says that somebody is acting quote-unquote bipolar when they mean something totally different right right um well so let's jump into the next one so so you brought up a really good one the antisocial um the, the word antisocial. And I think a lot of times that, that word is just completely used in a different manner. Because I think a lot of times, like in regular conversation, people say people are acting antisocial when they're avoiding interactions with other people. They use the word very literally, like antisocial, like not wanting to be in a social situation, right? Is right. that how you would think? Is that kind of how you would describe how you think people use it? No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean... Sometimes I've even said like, oh my gosh, I'm so antisocial. I can't, right. you know, but that obviously I don't, I'm not, please don't know. Um, <laughs> I just, sometimes I don't like to be in like crowded places, but right. you know. Well, we've talked, we've talked yeah. about how you and I are, are like, like basically like introverts based in, in a lot of ways that like, we don't want to necessarily always be in a social situation we do a lot of times we feel like we need that space away from other people um but that's very different from being antisocial yes so antisocial personality disorder is okay so i'm i'm re- i'm reading from the dsm right now um okay. so the diagnostic criteria for antisocial personality disorder is I'm just going to give you the, the, the main diagnostic criteria, like the, mm-hmm. you know, the A and not the subcategories. Yeah. yeah. Um, a pattern of disregard for and violation of the rights of others occurring since age 15 years. 
and it has to be indicated by uh, fault, like some features, mm-hmm. um, you know, f- failure to conform to social norms or uh, lying, deceitfulness, impulsivity, um, aggression, reckless, like recklessness, disregard mm-hmm. for your own safety or the safety of others, um, lack of remorse, um, mm-hmm. uh, irresponsibility. So it's not what people think it means. Right. So a lot of times when people come in and they're like, oh, yeah, my brother is so antisocial or something, you know? Right. What does that mean? And they look at me like, "Um, have you graduated from the right (laughs) school? Because, and I'm like, no, no, like, what does antisocial mean for your brother? You know, everybody experiences it differently. So what what do you mean by that? Right. Um, Because typically like that person would, probably be meaning like they don't like to be around other people. Whereas, you know, for somebody who's learned the word from the DSM or studied mental health in any way, shape or form might think of it in terms of antisocial personality disorder, which, you know, like you just read some of the criteria is much more along the lines of like a disregard for the well-being of other people. (laughs) So it's very different and can, and it can involve like hurting other people or like deceiving other people, which is very different from like not wanting to be with other people. Right. So yeah. it's, it, it's more like when we, when we watch crime shows, for example, or movies, yeah. you know, and it's, we, we see the criminal just not having any remorse or mm-hmm. wanting to hurt people. We can categorize that person depends on the movie or the show but you know you sure. can you can definitely see the antisocial traits there as opposed right. to somebody that just doesn't care to be in social situations absolutely so so this i think is one where people completely miss the mark when they talk about it in a social way or like it just in a in a casual way yeah um because they mean something drastically different from what the actual diagnostic criteria is right right yeah yeah. Um, well, the next one we actually have a full episode on. Yeah, we do. So you can go back and listen to it. I forgot what number episode it was, but you could find it if you go back and look. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's narcissistic. Mm-hmm. We're always calling people narcissists. Always. Yep. And you know, I think this came up a lot. Like, I I do not want to get into politics, so I'll just kind of say it and then drop it and leave it. But I think a lot of times people bring this up with politicians a lot. Um maybe specific politicians that we've had recently, but a lot of times people will say like that this person's a narcissist and like it comes up so much with like, like people, public figures like politicians or, um, or even like people in Hollywood where will, they'll call people narcissistic when, but they like, they don't know that person and they don't know if it would really fall under a diagnostic criteria for it. But a lot of times people just mean that somebody is full of themselves or conceited or thinks about themselves often. Like egocentric. Yes. Yeah. Well, what does it really mean? Well, I don't have the DSM in front of me, but I know we've had a whole episode about it. Well, lucky for you, I have my DSM in front of me. So Perfect. Serene <laughs> to the rescue. <laughs> so narcissistic personality disorder is when somebody just has this like inflated sense of self there mm-hmm. they have this grandiose sense of like importance or like the world revolves around me like literally revolves around me you know right. um uh they're 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 focused on or like they have these ideas of like power and success and um i mean 
almost like fantasy like ideas, you know? Yeah. Um, they and believe I think that, that they're unique. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think that's a really good qualify, like a really good like yeah. snippet to keep in mind is that like, it's like this fantasy, this like right. this idea that like other people do not exist and are not important or they exist for me and to serve yeah. my yes. needs. They're unique. They're special. They're, mm-hmm. it's just about them. Yeah. Um, and interpersonally, they could be very exploitative. So they mm-hmm. could like definitely take advantage of other people. They have no regard for other people. Um, no empathy. This was like, I think this is something we highlighted in the episode yeah. about narcissism that we did, where one of the key features is that empathy is lacking or missing. Right. Um, they're just arrogant, but not in the typical arrogant way and a very, right self-centered the sun moon stars revolve around me right now that's not to say that that you may not like if if you are one of those people that knows somebody who fits into this criteria like maybe you know a lot of people use it in the wrong way or use it like when they just mean that somebody is just a little bit conceited or like just thinks about themselves you might know somebody who falls into this criteria or you might know you know but but i think we're just talking about like in the grand scheme of things that it's used in society so casually when it's right. meant to mean something else. Yeah. Right. Like somebody's a narcissist when they're super into themselves and super into like how they look or how, right. you know, they present themselves. Well, that's not necessarily a hundred percent of the definition because right. to be a narcissist, yeah. you also have to have that, like, like that blatant the interpersonal, disregard. For, yeah. The interpersonal component, like you said. Yeah. Because I was going to say, like, when people casually use the term for somebody who's, like, thinking about themselves or, like, very preoccupied with themselves, that could look like a lot of things. That could be somebody who's anxious and worried about them something with themselves. And so they have a hard time letting go of that feeling of thinking about themselves. Right. It could be somebody who has somebody, like, environmentally going on that, like, they're distracted so they can't focus on you at the moment so they're worrying about themselves. So there's a lot of things that could be going on that could make somebody look like, quote, unquote, yeah. narcissistic traits. But, or they you know. just really like themselves. They're just exactly. really arrogant and into themselves. <laughs> but, hey, if they're not hurting anybody and they're not, like, out to destroy exactly. you to get their gains, then whatever, let them be. Right. But if they're out to destroy somebody else to get their gains, that's like, ugh, that's know. a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so the next one um, that kind of falls into this category is OCD. And I hear people use this all the time. Like, like they're saying like, Oh, I like, I, I'm, I'm so OCD. And actually this is one where I hear a lot of people would use it to refer to themselves more so than other people. I, you, I I use it in the language yeah. term a lot. And yeah. I mean, I know the distinction, but for people to understand what I'm saying, you know, like I use it in yeah. the layman term a lot. And it's interesting that this is one of those ones that most people don't use to describe other people, but more so about themselves. Like it's almost like it has this po- positive connotation. Not, not necessarily positive, Maybe. but like, but it's almost like people, people use it for themselves, but most people would never describe themselves as narcissistic or describe themselves as bipolar. Well, sometimes, but like OCD is one of those ones that like, but like you said, people use it more to describe themselves in a way that they think will make other people understand them more when right. they're trying to explain a certain set of traits. Yeah. Like yesterday I was telling you, we finally, after two and a half months of not leaving the house, we took the kids <laughs> to the park Yeah, and my older one was just not like he kept coming up to me and he's like, there's other kids here. I thought it was just going to be our friends. I don't want to go. I don't want to play. I want to go in the car. So he was like a little bit, you know, 
concerned mm-hmm. about safety sure. because of COVID. And, um, you know, like I just laughed and I, I turned to like the other moms, our friends, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, he's, he's kind of OCD with all this like COVID thing. Yeah. Just, it's just, I mean, he's not, but he's just very right. cautious. But I even used it in that capacity of like, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, how do I you think explain it? That's a really good description. So I think a lot of people use OCD for varying terms, right? So you said like you described the 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 idea of being cautious, overly cautious as OCD. Right. I think people use it as like like you had brought this up earlier when, before we started recording, but like to describe an, a type A personality. Right. Right. Like if somebody is very meticulous about something or very organized or very like structured or very uh, specific in how they like to do things or about their routine or whatever it is, they might describe themselves or somebody else as OCD. And I think that's a way that I hear it used a lot, like in a more casual sense. Yeah. And and it could definitely be like a trait you've picked up somewhere. I remember when my older one was little, um, I would shut the bedroom doors and the bathroom door. Like I just make sure everything's shut. So he's not getting into any trouble, you know, like I, I just make sure he's not like, you know, dipping his toys in the toilet or whatever. Right. Um, so this was, I guess, a behavior that he observed and learned. And it just became a part of him because when like he barely started walking, he would literally walk around and shut all the doors in the house. And I'm like, dude, you're like kind of old enough now to know not to like, you know, know, we don't have to, but that was his thing. If he saw an open door, he'd like shut it. And uh, again, my husband would be like, he has this OCD thing with doors, huh? (laughs) You know, but, (laughs) but you know, it's not OCD. It's just a behavior that he's observed and he thinks that's how it has to be done because that's how it's been done his entire two years of existence, you know? Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Well, so, so so diagnostically, like the actual term OCD is much more specific than how people use it, right? So for somebody to actually be diagnosed with OCD, um, they have to have the presence of obsessions, compulsions, or both. And so obsessions are recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges, or impulses that are experienced um, and cause disturbance and are intrusive and unwanted. And I think that's the major thing is that obsessions are intrusive, unwanted thoughts that are disturbing to the person. And most times it creates anxiety. It is something that they don't want to have, but it's something that they can't, they can't let go of. They can't stop thinking about it and it causes distress. Uh Um, And compulsions are typically things that people do to try to make those obsessions go away. So compulsions are repetitive behaviors. A lot of times people think of like, uh, like the classic things of like hand washing or like turning on and off light switches or counting things. Um, but there, it could be so many different things um, that they feel like they need to do to either get rid of the obsession or because the obsession is telling them to do those things. Um, and a lot of times both the obsessions and or compulsives are the, the whole goal of them is to try to make the anxiety that they're feeling go away. So it's yeah. actually an anxiety disorder. Yeah. It, it almost looks yeah. like ritualistic behaviors, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think the major key factor that makes it different from like when people are just like colloquially saying, OCD is that it's something that's just stressing and that creates anxiety and they do it because they, they have this anxiety and they think they feel like doing these things will make it go away. Um, where if you just have a type A personality or you're like worried about something, it, that's not the case. Yeah. And some people may argue that like, Hey, did the pandemic make us all OCD? Mm. No, there was an actual live 
right. fear. There was an actual, There's an actual like threat. Uh, to threat our safety. Exactly. And yeah. we're responding to that by disinfecting, uh, food when we bring it home, you know, the right. packages or we're, we're like washing our hands right. incessantly. And like after we touch everything, but that's a very normal reaction to a very normal thing that's going on that we all are being told to do that for our okay. safety and everybody else's safety. Right. There's a very right. real threat to our safety. Yeah. So we're responding to that. It's not, you know, it's not like, well, if I do these ritualistic behaviors, if I like, you know, tap on the table five times, or if I turn the lights on five times, or if I right. do this, then it's going to go away. It's right. it's not like that. So yeah. I know a lot of people are concerned that this pandemic has made us more cautious, more aware of germs and more hypervigilant, I should say, mm-hmm. but that's yeah, not that's the same word. as OCD. Right. But actually that is a really good segue into the next set of terms that we were going to talk about. The terms that like we all experience these feelings and emotions and behaviors, but that they're not like a clinical sense of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that that anxiety piece of OCD that you described as like a very normal reaction to what's happening right now in our lives during a pandemic um, also applies to anxiety. Right. So like anxiety is a clinical term and generalized anxiety disorder is like a diagnosable term in mental health. But people experience anxiety daily and especially right now during a pandemic when there's a very, like you said, a very real threat to our safety, um, that it's totally normal and appropriate to feel anxious. And I know we've talked about this before in previous episodes just about existing during the pandemic right now, Um, but that it's okay to feel anxious and it's a very normal and typical response to the threats that are happening in our lives right now, but it's different than a diagnosable diagnosis, I guess, of anxiety. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I'd, I'd argue the same thing with depression too, right? That like depression is a diagnosable term. It's a mental health, you know, diagnosis in the DSM, um, but like depressive episodes, but it's also totally normal to feel depressed about certain things or to feel like a big level of sadness. And just because you feel that doesn't mean that you're depressed. And especially right now, again, during the pandemic, being uh, isolated from loved ones, not being able to travel, having kids stuck at home and having to deal with Zoom school. Um, there's a lot to feel sad about. And there's a lot of loss that we're all experiencing. And it's okay to feel that loss, but it's different than a diagnosable depression or depressive episode. Yeah, I would I mean I I always try to get people to distinguish how they're feeling to differentiate yeah. between like diagnosable like major depressive episodes mm-hmm. or major depressive uh major depression, I'm sorry. Yeah. versus depressed mood. Yeah. So I think we all experience depressed mood at some point or another and I think right. you know, I, we keep talking about the pandemic, but like when I see people or family, friends, whoever, anybody, they're talking about, you know, um, I got into a car accident or something mm-hmm. um, two, three months ago. And ever since then, I've just been super anxious in, when driving, or I've just been, you know, I injured my arm and I've been really depressed because I can't work out then, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, when you dig in and you explore the depression or the anxiety, then there's this diagnosis that we use a lot. Um, called, you know, uh, adjustment disorder with anxiety or adjustment disorder with depressed mood. And that just means that an event happened at a certain point and it's, there's a certain time frame that it has Mm -hmm. to happen in within the past year or six months or whatever. Um, 
And that event triggers the anxious feelings or the depressed mood. And that's very different from feeling depressed because my dog is sick or something or feeling full uh, experiencing full-blown depression right or responding to this one life event that elicited this response anxiety or depression yeah i think that's a really good distinction to know that like it's a totally appropriate human response to feel sad or anxious about specific events that occur like that is a thing that is supposed to happen (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah and then yeah. the last, the last uh, diagnosis that is misused a lot, Jen. Mm-hmm. This one I hear all the time from yeah. parents, especially uh, ADHD, is a big one. I I hear that with my friends who have kids. I mean, even pa- people who aren't parents, but this one just comes up a lot with with people with kids who have a lot of energy, or even if you have a lot of energy, or. Also, like that's the hyperactive part, but also the distracted part. Like when when adults get distracted, when kids get distracted, have a hard time focusing on something. Um, I feel like ADHD is sort of this umbrella term that's been used so much to either mean that somebody just has is like a ball of energy and has like too much energy to be able to handle, or is just very distracted. I would say those are like the two ways it's used. Can you imagine all the parents right now who are doing Zoom who completely believe that their children have ADHD, but right. really, but really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, they are being forced to uh, focus for a long period of time on a screen and sit down to be able to learn. And that's just not how kids are supposed to be. Right function like that's not how kids learn because like remember how a year ago we would tell people like oh maybe you should limit screen time and now it's like hey log into your zoom class and don't log out until (laughs) and sit down and stare at this computer for six hours ready go (laughs) yeah it's yeah and but I think like adults use it too right like if you're like scatterbrained or like if you have a hard time focusing on something people would say like oh I feel so ADHD or like oh my god that guy is so ADHD because they can't stay on one topic. Um, so like, so both like that hyperactive component, but also that distractibility is used so often to describe not only kids, but also adults. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the final category that we kind Mm -hmm. of were thinking of, and these are just words that people use daily. Like, Oh, I'm feeling crazy or, Oh, that guy is a psycho or, Mm -hmm whatever or, um like i i feel insane right now or um oh my god stop acting so psychotic like that that kind of stuff yeah. um which has become like just really easy to slip into vernacular and really easy to like use to describe people for different behaviors but ultimately what these words really do is they really stigmatize mental health absolutely yeah i i, I have such an aversion to the word crazy like yeah. i dislike that word me too. Very and I have to so. I have to admit, like, I'm so guilty of it. Like, if if my daughter gets, like, really hyper and starts running around in circles and gets really crazy, see, I just did it. I'll, yeah. I'll call her, like, I'll just be like, she's acting crazy right now. But what I mean is, like, what I'm trying to say is, gosh, she has so much energy that she doesn't know what to do with her body. So it's coming out in this, like, really behavioral way. Um, but instead of saying all that, the words that come out of my mouth are crazy. And yeah. I hate and I hate that I use that word because it's something that I'm really mindful of when I hear other people using it and I'm trying to omit it from my vocabulary. 
Um, but it's something that I think has just become so common and easy to say. Yeah. What what I say, I, I find myself using the word crazy to, I, I, I have a hard time using it towards people, but to situations. Mm-hmm. Like when people tell me yeah. about this event that was just like out of the ordinary, my like response is believe. always like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. And I guess to me, it like, it makes sense because it's, I'm not using it towards a person, but I still need to not use it. Like that's I, a really, yeah. I, I didn't even realize I use it in that way too, but that's a really good point. I use it in that way a lot. Like mm-hmm. I don't like using it towards people or don't like calling people it. I just, it's, it's almost like a bad, bad word to me, but yeah. yeah. But to when events come up or situ, like people tell me about things like, oh my God, did you see her like golden globe dress? It was crazy. Like it was like crazy good or like crazy bad or like, you know, that story was insane or that story was crazy, you know, like, oh, crazy thing happened to me the other day. And like, we use it a lot. It's very strange to me that it's just a part of our vocab now. Yeah. And then another one, the other ones that I hear a lot, um, and I, I typically, I hear people use it to describe like like I, th- I think of like people using it to describe like exes or people they're dating when they say like, oh my God, that person was a psycho or like, oh, they, they ended up being psychotic um, when they just mean to say that like somebody, I don't know, like, I, I don't even know, like had behaviors they didn't like or like they didn't get along or like they, I don't know, they ghosted them or they were pursuing them when, when that person wasn't interested. But I, I hear people use that kind of terminology a lot too, is psycho and psychotic when they just mean like, they're not, they don't like that person or they didn't like their behaviors. Yeah. I mean, I wonder why we just can't like use real words. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he was very, uh, he called me like all the time and it made me feel very uncomfortable and I didn't like that. So right. I had to set boundaries or, you know, why can't right. we like, explain that instead of saying like, he's a psycho, he was so obsessed with me. <laughs> it's But that's a really good question. I, I wonder if those kinds of words like psycho, psychotic, like schizo, what, like, I think they like, I imagine that people feel like they pack more of a punch. Like it, like it's this big descriptive word that like sounds really intense and so like they feel like it's a way of describing this intense behavior that they're trying to convey not that that like justifies it but like that's kind of what it feels like the word is trying to accomplish I guess but it it, I don't know I mean I've witnessed a person um just recently calling somebody crazy to their face and but just very passionately and the other person was just standing there and they were like I don't you know I'm not okay with you using that word because I feel like you're not like understanding my, like you're not understanding where I'm coming from in this situation. You're just using a word and I don't like that word. And this person, the other person just kept going, well, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're just being, and in my head, I was like observing and I'm like, holy moly, you look awful right now. Like you, right. Because the person you're calling crazy is actually being very rational. And they're like, Hey, please stop using that word because you know, this is where I'm coming from. And this is my opinion. And you know, we can talk about it. And like, let's, if you think I'm wrong, please tell me, but please stop using that word. And they kept digging their heels in the sand and they were like, no, you're crazy. You're being crazy right now. You're acting crazy. I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) You you brought up a really interesting point that oftentimes the people who are throwing these terms around, 
it's first of all, it's not a good look on a lot of people, especially when you use it like in that like really accusatory way. Um, yeah. But it makes them look bad, and it it that's a really interesting point that like it makes them it it accomplishes typically it accomplishes the opposite of what that person is trying to accomplish right and that's where i was coming from earlier and i was like why can't we just use words and say like hey i think your opinion on this matter is off because of a b c d you know not because you're this word or you're this thing and it just doesn't make sense and I think calling people names or, you know, mislabeling or, you know, using these terms, it isn't helping anybody, like anybody. So I think we just need to be more careful with the words that we use. And absolutely. I think we're, we're a lot better than that. Like, I think we can explain what we're trying to say. Yeah. Instead of. And I think like reeling this all back in and like connecting it to to being parents. Like I think this is a good thing for us to model to our kids early on and like being mindful of the words that we choose, being mindful of like the descriptive words that we use to describe other people, especially. Um, I think it's really important because our kids watch us and like they yeah. learn from us. So being able to model that for our kids, I feel like is really important. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that I think we can wrap it up here today. I think so. I think this is a really good discussion. Lots, lots of words, lots of stuff to think about, and I'm sure we'll come up with more as soon as we finish. But like we said, we could always have like specific episodes on specific words that we think need their right. own dedication. Right. Um, and if you guys have any thoughts about all of this or any ideas about um, other words that maybe are getting misused or ideas for future topics, uh, you can email us at isitbedtimeyetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our social media on Instagram, where is it bedtime yet podcast with underscores between each of the words. On Facebook, where is it bedtime yet podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon. And for today, this is Dr. Jen and Dr. Serene, and we are still asking, is it bedtime yet? Bye.